I'm Matthew McCabe. Welcome to Miracle Voices. Each episode, we will be delving into stories of forgiveness, healing, and transformation that have come about from integrating the principles of the book, A Course in Miracles. If you want to learn more about A Course in Miracles, visit www.acim.org. If you'd like to visit the Miracle Voices site, please go to www.miraclevoices.org. If you feel inspired to make a love offering, please visit us at miraclevoices.org forward slash donate. All donations go support the work of the Foundation for Inner Peace, the publisher of A Course in Miracles. Now here's your program. Hello, this is Matthew McCabe, and welcome to another edition of Miracle Voices. I am here today with my co-host, Judy Scutch Whitson. Hi, Judy. Hello there, Matthew. How are you doing today? I think it's going to be a brilliant day. I do too, because we have Sheila Kelly as our guest today. Sheila, how are you doing? I am doing so well. As I said earlier, I'm fanning out being with Judith Scotch Wilson and with you, Matthew. Thank you so much. Well, Sheila, before we get started, tell us where, where you are right now. Where are you sitting? Well, I live in beautiful Nova Scotia, Canada, on the east coast of Canada, and uh, it's a little foggy and overcast here today, but uh, it's still beautiful. Oh, great. I think that means, I know the Spanish speakers say Scotia for Scotland. So this means New Scotland, huh? Nova Scotia? It absolutely does, Matthew. I'm very impressed that you know that. <laughs> it just came to me just now. Well, wow. let's, let's get a little background on you, Sheila. Tell us, how did the course come into your life? It's a great question, Matthew. And uh, do you mind if I'm calling you Matthew? Seems I should be calling you Matt. Yeah, please call me Matt. Okay. Sorry about that. I was working as a low-level manager on the front lines of one of the toughest union environments in Canada. And I was very, very unhappy, miserable. The word now would be disengaged. And something unfortunate happened in the workplace where um, another manager actually threw something at me in the workplace. And, you know, it was almost 30 years ago. So it was a radio, something that people don't use too often anymore. But he threw a radio at me. And I thought, well, this is it. You know, they, the organization, are going to have to do something about this man because I had a lot of grievances against this person, and there's no point in going uh, into the details of the grievances. But suffice to say that uh, he was a little bit of out, of out of control in the workplace, and I thought that manage upper management wasn't doing what they quote unquote should be doing about him and with him. So I thought that was that was a turning point and and things would would start to come into place where they would deal with him. But in fact, uh, at first they were supportive of me. And then, um, as can happen, they backtracked. And again, not to get into the nitty gritty of the details, but I'm sure you're familiar with the story in the Bible about the man who lay beaten and bleeding on the side of the road and everybody was walking by, well, that is exactly how I felt. I felt that uh, um, nobody cared. I was alone, and it was like this bottom that I hit 
where I just didn't know what to do or where to go. I was sitting alone in my kitchen and, you know, feeling sorry for myself, having a pity party before heading off to work. And I felt this delicious calm come over my whole being. And it was just this sense of total peace, total calm, no worries, no fears. And I also felt a presence. And the presence didn't speak, but it somehow communicated to me. And the first thing that it communicated to me was, you are never alone. And I realized how true this was, that no I don't know what this was at that time. I couldn't identify it. But I knew that it was a presence that was with me and that it would always be with me. And the second communication it made was, you are giving them your power. And again, it was like, oh, my God, of course, that's what I'm doing. I'm giving my power away. And oh, my goodness, I've been doing it all my life. And as a result of that, I rushed out to get Marianne Williamson's book, A Return to Love, because I had seen her on the Oprah Winfrey show. And I hadn't paid much attention to her, but Oprah was raving about this book. So I thought, well, I'll go get this book because I'm headed off on vacation and I'll read this book. And again, I, I, um, uh, some things jumped out of that book for me. And one of them was most of us are afraid to look within because we're afraid what we will find is only darkness. And in truth, if we look deep enough, what we find is only light. And again, I had this idea that, okay, if I am only light, then so is he, that man who threw the radio at me. And it was my first real forgiveness, I believe, of, I didn't think of it as forgiveness at the time, but I knew for sure that I wanted to find this Course in Miracles thing. And I thought I would fly out to California and somehow connect with Marianne Williamson. I opened the newspaper, uh, our local newspaper here in Nova, Halifax, Nova Scotia. I opened the newspaper and there was this little notice saying a Course in Miracles meeting and it gave the place and the time. And it was a bit of a miracle for me that uh, oh my goodness, there's a group here in my home city that I can go and visit. And again, I couldn't wait to get there. I couldn't wait to meet other enlightened beings. I thought I would walk in and everybody would be so welcoming and kind and loving. <laughs> and it sounds a bit judgmental, but that's not exactly what I found. Uh, I found a group of people like me who were struggling and trying to figure out how to be more quote unquote spiritual in the world. So that's a pretty long version about how Course in Miracles found me. But um, thank you for asking. We sure. all have our own stories, don't we? I find them all equally fascinating yes. from how you already had an introduction to what the course was about, which is forgiveness, the process of atonement, through that uh, quite startling situation of having 
a cohort throw a radio at you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm thinking here all the time, Bill Thetford would have made a few puns by this time already, but the radio and communication. Yes. <laughs> come on, he could have thrown something else at you, but he threw exactly. a radio at you, which... <laughs> Exactly, and which the, yes. the voice could have appeared from the radio. <laughs> yes, 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 that hasn't been lost on me. That uh, and and it didn't hit me, of course, because I think if that had happened, we really would have been uh, a, a different situation. But it landed in a metal waste can, and I've often said the reverberations from that uh, continue to this day. This, it caught your attention, didn't it? <laughs> oh, it surely did. And in some ways, it was absolutely perfect. Wow, well, well, since you've been involved for so many years in the study of the course and also uh, with groups and as a facilitator, I'm wondering whether uh, you would like to talk about what is a miracle? I, the words that are coming to me are, are the simple ones, uh, a shift from fear to love. And I know in one of the Course in Miracles groups, they somebody took issue with that simple explanation and it said Course doesn't really talk about that. But Course does talk about shifting from the horizontal to the vertical. And that's the shift because the horizontal line is ego-based from the time of birth to the time of death. And the, the, um, the miracle occurs when we shift from that horizontal timeline into that more vertical timeline that takes us out of time and space. I think that a shift in perception from fear to love is probably the shortest and most potent thing one can use to describe the course since as one studies it we're going to get a lot of we'll get a lot of play and a lot of a lot of uh different ways of putting the same thought mm. the course is quite circular in its teaching and ken wapnick used to call it symphonic but i can't imagine a better and more concise way of describing what the miracle is than you've just done well, thank you. And I mean, it, it sounds simple, but it's really quite profound, I think. It sounds simple. You're right. It's, of course, is very simple, but I have to add, not very easy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not the ones who make easy. it not easy because we're so resistant to it. But it is a very simple thought because of its consistency. And uh, that's one of the first things Bill Thetford told me when I met him before the course was even published, um, he said what impressed him about the course was its consistency. Mm -hmm. He said, you'll find controversy in anything and you'll find controversy in this too, if you look hard enough, but going beyond that, you will find the consistency and um, it sticks. And having studied it now for 46 years, I think I'm the most grateful for that, that I can open it up to any page if I choose, and it's going to be saying virtually the same idea, the same concept. And it's going to be that the course is a system of non-duality to those of us who think we live in duality, mm -hmm. an opportunity to change our minds and choose 
a higher voice, which lives equally within all of us, and we're all able to access when we choose to. And the course, of course, says at the beginning, in the introduction, it's a required course, but then it tells us only the time you take it is voluntary. So all of us seeing each other as separated selves rather than in our oneness as we are in reality, we're all at different levels. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, Sheila, I understand that you have a forgiveness story that you'd like to share today. Yes, I reached out to you um, as a result of uh, something that happened to me when our son was 17 years old, which was, again, over 20 years ago, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a form of cancer. And it, I had been a student slash teacher of Course in Miracles for about four years. And I can tell you, I was on a bit of a spiritual high in that, you know, I, I found the Holy Grail, uh, of course, in miracles. I loved God. God loved me. And secretly, I thought nothing, quote, unquote, bad would ever happen to me again. And to have my son diagnosed with cancer felt like, <laughs> I've never thought of it this way before, but it felt a bit like a betrayal. It's like, you know, I've been doing everything right I've been doing the course, and why is this happening to me? And, of course, in retrospect, I can see that it was the perfect forgiveness lesson, but it was, it was really, really hard to um, be so devoted to this beautiful path and to have something so traumatic happen. And it wasn't happening to me, it was happening with my son. But again, this is how we sometimes internalize things that it's happening to me. And that's exactly how I felt. So it, again, it was being hit again, having something thrown at me again, and being hit over the head with a two by four or a two by six or a two by 10 or something like that. So it really brought me to my knees. And I was doing everything I could, you know, from A Course in Miracles perspective to try to maintain some sort of inner peace, but it really wasn't working very well. And something happened that signified to me that, again, I was not alone and that sometimes God, the universe, whatever we want to call it, conspires to bring things together in such a way that um, everything is working for me. It's not happening to me, it's working for me. And the thing that happened was that I had planned a workshop with another Course in Miracles teacher from Toronto, Ontario, halfway across the country. He, uh, he was coming to Nova Scotia on business, and he thought he'd like to do a workshop with the community um, involving um, what he called a clearing process. I thought this was a wonderful idea. We, you know, we got the space where we could have it. And lo and behold, the, the day before the workshop was about to happen, 
um, was also the day before my son's first chemotherapy session. And the workshop facilitator named Jim called me the, the night before the workshop and asked me how I was doing. And I could only say, I'm a mess. I don't think I can come to this workshop. I said, uh, I'm a Course in Miracles teacher. I don't want my quote unquote students to see me like this. And quite frankly, I thought I would just drag the whole, <laughs> the whole day down with my um, tears and my sadness and my confusion. Jim, of course, was very supportive and um, said all the right things. I told him I'd been trying to meditate. And he said, Sheila, you can't meditate this away. And he said it would be a gift to the other people that are coming if you would come and share. My son's chemotherapy was in the morning. So I made arrangements that I would stay, I would go for his chemotherapy with my husband, and then I would go to the workshop. And again, all things coming together as they did, the workshop was across the parking lot from the hospital. So I simply left the hospital room after the chemotherapy, walked over to the workshop room, and joined Jim and all the people there. And again, I was a mess. I got in that room. I could not stop crying. Jim played uh, Cretan's Clearwater Revivals, Proud Mary. And I could see our son when he was 11 dancing to that song on our back deck. And then he played Janis Joplin's Lord, Won't You Buy Me a Mercedes Benz, if you remember that one. And again, another favorite of our son's. So I started crying more and more and more. As, as the day went on, uh, Jim suggested an exercise where I, we would find some, partner up with somebody and look them, in the, look them in the eye and say, I love you. We really resisted this exercise. We were saying things, but we're spiritual. We love each other. We can't look at each other and say, I hate you. Again, Jim very wisely said, well, it's not true anyway, so do it. I made con eye contact with a, a woman that I didn't know in the room. I knew just about everybody. And there was a dark-haired woman, and I thought, I can say I hate you to her because I don't know her. I approached her. I asked her if we could do it together. She said, yes. And I looked her in the eye and I said, I hate you. And the moment the words came out of my mouth, I realized that I, I didn't hate her. It was myself I hated. Now, uh, Course in Miracles is very clear that uh, anything I'm thinking about somebody else is always about myself anyway. So this really validated for me that um, anything I was saying or doing with anybody else was really about myself. And of course, I cried some more <laughs> as I realized the deep, deep hatred I had buried within my core. As I, again, as the afternoon progressed, Jim asked if I would do an exercise in front of, front of the group. Again, the dark-haired lady agreed to partner with me. So she sat in one chair, I sat in the other. 
and we went through what is uh, what Jim called a clearing process. And I understand, I don't know, Judith, if you've heard of Sandy Levy London. Um, I don't think so. She's uh, given credit for this process. Yeah, I don't think I've heard of it. I'd love okay. to know more. Yes, and it's it's supposedly based on Course in Miracles, and it's got three parts. The first part is the fear-based beliefs. The second part is the forgiveness process. And the third part is reframing the experience. So the first part, I expressed my fears. For example, I said, what I want you to know is that I'm thinking that if I were a better mother, Jeff, my son, would not have gotten ill. What I want you to know is that I'm afraid that he is going to die. The dark-haired stranger across from me was instructed to say only two things. Thank you. We then moved on to the forgiveness part. And I said things like, what I want you to forgive me for is believing that Jeff's illness is because I'm a bad mother. What I want you to forgive me for is believing that my son could get sick. And again, the stranger's response to all of this was to say things like, you are a good mother. And thank you. Thank God it is not true. Followed by, you are a good mother. I then articulated some things that I had forgotten. For example, I want you to forgive me for forgetting that God is only love. I want you to forgive me for forgetting that what God creates cannot die. And again, the dark-haired lady would say, thank you, thank God, it is true. I don't know how long it took to go through this process, but I can tell you that when we finished, I was again in total peace, total calm, felt totally loved by every person in that room. And they, they graced me with, with hugs and cradling me with pure intention. I returned to the hospital room to find, find this crusty hematologist with my son. And for the first time, we heard, I heard encouraging words from the doctor. He said, he was looking at my son and he said, I've got a good feeling about you. And in my state of peace, I felt my son looked brighter. He felt very, um, I won't say healed, but he felt very, uh, he just felt better than he had before. His energy felt clearer. And he, you know, the, the, the miracle is that I shifted from being very fearful to being very loving. And if we are all connected at the level of mind, and I believe we are, and Course in Miracles certainly tells us that we are connected at the level of mind, I believe and cannot prove that somehow my forgiveness and my return to peace um, had a huge in impact on my son. And in some bizarre way, I think it's possible that in my own self-hatred, I somehow projected that onto my son and maybe didn't cause his illness, 
but my own fear-based beliefs certainly didn't help uh, in keeping him uh, healthy and healed. Wow. So, so thanks for sharing that, Sheila. What, as you talk about this years later, what's kind of your key takeaway as this kind of settles in over time? I think my key takeaway has always been uh, related to the section in the Course of Miracles that talks about the teachers of God. And I'm opening the book here and it says, there are those who have reached God directly, retaining no trace of worldly limits and remembering their own identity perfectly. These might be called the teachers of teachers because... Although they are no longer visible, their image can yet be called upon, and they will appear when and where it is helpful for them to do so. I often think of the dark-haired stranger as a teacher of teachers, because when I asked around, nobody seemed to know who she was and where she had come from. And I again, wonder if she was a teacher of teacher who appeared because she was needed in that moment. You know, this is a very powerful story, Sheila, and I really appreciate you sharing with us. I got very carried away in the consistency of you and the teacher of teacher or the dark-haired mysterious lady uh, exchange. Yes. with her always being the affirmative and you starting to peel away your suspicions and your layers of guilt that you were holding in relationship to your son's illness. And I noticed that no place did you pray for him to be well. It wasn't about the body. It was about the shift in your mind that was important. Uh, as we got together right before this podcast, we said uh, one of our favorite prayers from A Course of Miracles, I am here only to be truly helpful. Mm -hmm. And the last line is, I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. Mm -hmm. And it also reminded me of something that uh, I've always loved in the Course and always come back to when I'm confronted by illness of a friend or a family or even illness of the world is that when we are healed, we are not healed alone. Mm. It was your healing, I believe, that touched your son. Mm. It had nothing to do with his body. Mm. It had everything to do with your mind. And I think that's what you gave me as a gift in this story, was that the switch, the change, the shift that happened at that session across the street from the hospital beautifully placed geographically, <laughs> was uh, so obviously an exercise in changing your mind. And that which knows called in a group of people to help you, a group that you yourself had helped instigate, and a mysterious stranger, all stops pulled. <laughs> Everything came out to help Sheila, who really wanted to change her mind. So it brings me back to another observation uh, the Course tells us, show the slightest willingness. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, the Holy Spirit had from you 
greatest willingness, not slightest. And I can tell from the story that your willingness propelled you on in this process and that it was a perfect example for everyone who was there. So it isn't just the reaction uh, that your son had, but the reaction of everyone there. We don't know. And we have no idea what happened to all the people there, but Uh they certainly came away with a higher level of healing when they went in. Well, again, thank you, Judith. I, I love that you understand exactly uh, what I was trying to say. And I'm reminded that when my son first got sick, he was in high school, of course, and he had a great group of friends. And in line with the law of attraction, I passed out little business size cards to them that said, when you think of my son, Jeff, please think of him as happy, healthy, and healed. And of course, I wanted his body to to heal. You know, I'm a mother. But I also knew that even though they might not have understood what I meant by healing, I knew that he, his body might not heal in the traditional sense. And but even if he decided not to stay on the planet, if he had decided to leave the planet, I knew that his mind could still be healed. That's such an important part Mm -hmm. of the plan, I believe. Uh, But there's something that came to me as you said what you had done with the cards. uh, And your remark was even, you know, if they didn't know what it was for, what it was about. You gave out a positive affirmation and you shared it with people who cared for him. They all have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside them, whether or not they're consciously recognizing it or naming it is totally unnecessary, but they have to get it at that level because they are also you. Yes. Yes. Touche. Touche. (laughs) Wow. Well, again, it's, it's so beautiful to sit with someone who totally understands the depths of this whole experience and to have it reflected back to me in such a beautiful, caring way, I feel very, uh, very understood. And, you know, quite frankly, I don't always feel that way. Thank you. Well, we're glad that you feel understood because here's <laughs> a place for it. But remember, we're all still learners. Yes. Uh, every day I get up and I ask always for the same thing, that I have nothing to do with this day and I make no decisions by myself. I give it all to the higher teacher, the inner guide, Jesus, of course, miracles, God, the Holy Spirit, whatever I want to call it. And I vary what I call it because I don't like to get stuck in just one nomenclature. Is it nomenclature? Yeah, I'm saying it wrong, but it's coming out. (laughs) Uh, Every day, I notice, as I'm sure Matt does and you do, Sheila, and everyone is studying the course, you come along a little more. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you feel you're regressing or going backwards. It's not true. The course promises us that nothing, nothing is lost. Mm -hmm. 
even when we leave our bodies and we think that we are dead or dying, everything goes with us of love. We, every bit of, of understanding goes with us too. We don't leave it behind. And knowing through the study of the Course, and I can say knowing now, not believing, mm. that there is no death, mm. uh, it's very comforting that mm. you keep on going, you keep on learning. We have no idea when the learning is complete. I guess the learning is complete when God says it's complete because mm. we're told you live in a happy dream, which is seeing this world through the eyes of Christ, mm. seeing this world through your higher vision only, where you have no grievances against anyone, no judgments, only thoughts of love, mm. where everything is literally a glow with the thoughts of love and you're still seeing the world of form, God himself takes the next step. Mm. We do not know what the next step is. But the more one studies the course I find out, the more I have total trust in what this next step is. And of course, every day we're getting closer to the next step. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really thrill to see people, and now it's been long enough, who study the course, who have been in the process of uh, leaving this particular portion of the dream and moving on to next step, say that they don't feel complete, complete, because they don't know what complete, complete really means. But they do feel as if they've come a long way on the journey without distance to the goal that has never changed. And that, um, well, I know a very good friend of mine, you may recognize his name, Jerry Jampolsky, who died a few months ago and was studying the course with me as a learning partner for 46 years. Mm -hmm. And he said just a couple of days before he died that uh, he was feeling peaceful and he's still learning. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's kind of something that we share. What happens, you know, as you, have you been studying long enough? Do you see results? Mm -hmm. Bill Thetford once said to me, and I repeat this over and over again, when uh, he was asked, how do you know how well you are learning, progressing with understanding the course? And he said very simply, it depends upon how long you hold a grievance. Mm. You mm. did not hold a grievance very long with a man or through the radio. <laughs> I think that was your first taste of probably <laughs> recognition of what forgiveness is. Yes, in retrospect, it was. I didn't think of it as forgiveness at the time, but certainly yes. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting because so many people think that, you know, I had a lot of animosity towards that man. I did not. Now, did I hold grievances against the organization? <laughs> yes. So uh, there was another opportunity forgiveness for forgiveness for the organization rather than for the, the man who threw the radio at me. So ego always finds ways to uh, uh, hold a grievance if it can. But I think Absolutely. that's, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's uh, the grievances can show up for a moment, but it depends on how long we hold on to them. I love that. Yeah. And I think to recognize that, we have not attained perfection because we're studying A Course in Miracles. We're studying it because we want to remember who we are. We want to be back in our 
place of truth in reality. Mm. We want to, but it doesn't mean we are yet. It just means we know where we're going. Like E.T. wants to go home. (laughs) (laughs) But we are on the road. And I think that's more important. And then to have companions along the road who will help you the way you got help that day. Very, very precious. The course is a course course about relationships. Even though it calls itself a self-study course, it doesn't mean that relationships don't end into it 100%. They do. (laughs) Well, yes, and they're so important on so many levels, aren't they? I mean, without relationships, we might not get to practice forgiveness. (laughs) Right, exactly. Well, it's certainly a journey, isn't it? A journey without distance. (laughs) Well, Sheila, you have such a lovely story. Thanks so much for sharing that. I'm sure it inspired many people. And um, if there's anybody that has any questions about Sheila's experience or anything we discuss here on the podcast, feel free to go to miraclevoices.org and go to the contact tab and just shoot us a question. That's actually how Sheila and I got connected. So please, uh, you know, go there and reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Sheila or Judy, anything, any closing thoughts or comments? I have one thought now. I just wanted to thank Sheila for her willingness to open, to share, for her allowing us to have intimacy with her so that her transparency can help encourage us. Indeed. Thank you, Sheila. Oh, thank you. The pleasure is totally mine. And um, I'm I'm kind of speechless right now, but I'm thinking of these words from Course in Miracles. If you knew who walks beside you on this path that you have chosen, fear would be impossible. Well, Well, Sheila, thanks so much for your miracle voice. Judy, any closing words from you? I'm just going to say thank you, Matt. Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to Miracle Voices by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you are enjoying these conversations, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you use. And lastly, please visit us at miraclevoices.org and join our newsletter so we can stay connected. Until the next podcast, I want to leave you with my favorite course quote, when you want only love, you will see nothing else. Nothing else.